You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut through the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. This is Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nursepreneur Podcast. Today, we have Claire Bevano on with us from Clarity Patient Advocates. Claire, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about your background as a nurse. I am a second career nurse. I, my first uh, degree was in business, and then I stayed at home a number of years with my children. So I went back to nursing school, graduated in 2017 and uh, was a bedside nurse for several years, um, the last of which was in oncology. I have an oncology uh, certification. Okay, so you're a relatively new nurse. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Uh, and what, was, what did you do in, in business prior to this? Uh, I worked for a company that did capital leasing and then I stayed at home. Okay, and how did you like oncology? I loved it. When I was in nursing school, I actually had an interest in oncology, and one of my senior practicum uh, rotations was on the uh, oncology floor at the hospital where I was going to be working after I graduated. I had a scholarship with them, so knew that I was going to be at that facility when I graduated, and they let me choose which area I wanted to, to work in. Um, I didn't feel like that floor was a good fit. There were some changes going on in some Culture wasn't great for a new grad, so I didn't go into oncology at first. I went into neurology and worked there for three years. Loved that floor, a great group of people, but I had an opportunity to move into the infusion center um, in an outpatient uh, facility within the hospital system and, and did that. And I just absolutely loved working with oncology patients. Part of it is you see people regularly, and so you get to know them, whereas the floor before you get of attached to somebody or you know make a connection with them and then they'd be discharged and that would be it and you'd start over again so yeah. i love that continuity yeah that, that's definitely true um okay so three years in neurology then oncology um and then uh, when did you actually start your business i started my business uh a little over two years ago actually right before uh covid hit i my last day in my full-time job was in February of 2020. And so I set up practice and it was awfully quiet, but I used that opportunity to make a lot of connections in the patient advocacy world. It's just, it's a relatively small group of professionals because it's an up and coming profession and everybody is just so warm and welcoming and collaborative. So I made a lot of connections. And then the phone just started ringing, you know, and people reached out to me and I've been fairly busy for the last two years, maybe not quite as busy as, as I would like, but I also haven't um, spent a lot of time doing the business end of it because it's been just busy enough that I can kind of get by and still do fun stuff, you know. Right. Uh, do you still, so you don't work at the hospital at all anymore? Nope. Nope. Okay. Part of I think uh, being an advocate and what was clear to me, at least in the area that I wanted to work in, which was mostly like medical navigation, was that I was going to have to be available to people. Uh, and that 
that's really true. It was, it's hard to do the kind of advocacy work that I do and work it around a regular job because you just have to be available when somebody calls you because they're having a problem with their loved one in the hospital or, you know, they just got, um, you know, they just had a problem and are at the ER and want somebody to, to assist. So, um, it, or be available for appointments. Some so, of the advocates that do like billing and that sort of billing or insurance work, they've got some, um, some more flexibility. They can control their hours a little more. Right. Um, but where did this idea um, for this business come from? That's funny because I thought I was just really brilliant. <laughs> I had this new idea of helping people with cancer diagnoses. So in 2013, I was working within uh, our hospital facility um, in a leadership role. I wasn't at the bedside anymore. I was working in some clinical practices that our hospital had brought had purchased rather. And um, I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. And at the time, I, even though I was up to date on my mammograms, it had just been missed, unfortunately. And so I had several spots in my, in my spine. So I went on treatment and I just, I did so well right off the bat. I knew which physician I wanted to work with. I knew kind of what the next steps were because that was the world I was used to, that's what I knew. And so over the following months and years, I would have people reach out to me. Oh, my cousin was diagnosed with breast cancer. Would you talk to her? You know, I'd go to appointments with people. I'd help them know what to expect. And I just, I just loved it. I felt like I could really add value. And it was just something I did because I, I like to do it. And so I started to think that maybe this was something I could do as, uh, as a profession. And so I started researching things and found out there's this whole profession already out there of patient advocacy. And that was wonderful because there's already a little bit of a blueprint. There's some, some organizations that support patient advocacy. There's now a certification. And so everything that I needed to really um, understand how to go into business was already available to me. So that was, that was wonderful. Uh, and at what point did you decide that you were actually going to launch this? I was pretty certain I wanted to all through 2019, but was just kind of trying to get everything, do my research, my homework, get everything in order, write a, a, a plan. But I wasn't sure when the time was going to be right. And couple of things happened. Um, some financial things fell into place and some other things. So at the end of 2019, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm ready. My husband was extremely supportive. He was kind of pushing me out of the nest a little bit. And uh, so I gave my employer notice um, and was planning to start at the beginning of 2019. They asked me to stay on a little bit longer. And uh, so I didn't actually start until, 29, until uh, February, 2020, as I mentioned. Uh, what timing? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Were you glad you, know, you weren't in the hospital for COVID? <laughs> actually, I had left the hospital about a year and a half prior and was working for a, a healthcare education company. Okay. And so, uh, yes, I, I was very grateful. On the one hand, on the other hand, when things were so chaotic at the beginning and we really didn't know what we were dealing with, I, I kind of wondered if I should, you know, the guilt. go back into the, into the hospital and try to help. But with my cancer 
and the medications I'm on and I'm, you know, at risk for infection and so forth, it just didn't make sense. But definitely that, that pull that, you know, wanting to help when you're a nurse and feeling the need, you know, was there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So 2020, uh, you've, you've left, uh, the healthcare system per se, and now you're going in with your business. Um, how did you find your first clients? The first clients that I found, found me, one of them just called me out of the blue. I had a pretty good web presence. I had been working on that and she actually found me. This is very interesting and she's still a client, but she found me because she had a concern that her daughter uh, was recently diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and she just wanted some help navigating all of that. And um, she called the Patient Advocacy Foundation and they recognized that maybe they needed somebody with a little more hands-on. And that person just got on the internet and looked, looked up patient advocates in the area and, and gave her my phone number and a couple others. And she called me and it was a good fit. And, and like I said, we're still, I still work with them. And it, it was a lovely first client to work with because they were just so, so easy. Mm -hmm. And I felt like they were a little in over their heads because there was a lot going on clinically and that I was able to, to really help, especially since I had that neuro background. Right. Okay. Um, all right. So, and you hadn't signed up at this point with that agency, the, I'm sorry, what did you call it? The patient advocacy um, group that connected you with this patient. You had, they just found you randomly. No, they're just a non-for-profit that people can call and get uh, assistance with, but it's very high level. You know, they can't, they can't hold patients' hands and appointments and so forth, but she knew enough to, to know that she needed some help. And when she talked to them at the Patient Advocacy Foundation, um, they just said, I think you need like a, a local advocate, boots on the ground kind of person. Right. Do they keep a database of, of patient advocates? No, this is, from what I know, this is not something they regularly do. I mean, it's, yeah, they do not have a directory or anything like that. That sounds like it would be nice because I wouldn't even know who to call in my area. <laughs> well, there are some directories. So there are uh, several organizations. Um, Greater National Advocates has a directory. And uh, there's something called Advo Connect, ADVO Connect. They have a directory. And uh, NAHAC, NAHAC is an organization. I'm not affiliated with them, so I'm not in their directory, but they also have, um, like I said, theirs is a little more limited because it's just for their members, but I'm, I'm not um, currently one of their members. Okay. Um, and so when you looked at, uh, how you were going to market this, uh, I mean, it sounds like your first client was kind of a, a was kind of lucky, but, um, what did you decide to do first to, to, to get this in front of people? The, the main thing I've done, uh, is just networking because a lot of my clients have come through word of mouth. Um, I just had a client recently that came through one of it's an old neighbor from my old neighborhood. It's her friend, her friend's parents, actually, and um, other people in the advocacy world uh, will refer clients to me because they know I'm particularly interested in working with cancer patients. And that's not something they might know so much about. And that's the other thing that's really been great about working with other advocates is we all know each other's strengths. and 
you know, we just want what's best for the patients. It's not about whose client they are. And so I get a lot of referrals from other um, patient advocates and I like will, will also refer to them if they have a, an area that I'm not as strong in okay. or a need I'm not as strong in. Um, and how do you, um, how do people pay you? Is this like a fee for service? Does insurance cover this? Insurance does not cover it. And that's a, a frequent question that we get. Uh, right now, the advocacy world is not really um, wanting it to be covered by insurance because part of what we offer is that we're independent. We not the insurance companies telling us what we can and can't advise. Nobody wants that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so it's um, fee for, usually it's per hour. Some advocates, depending on what type of work they do, might uh, do like a monthly uh, retainer to, to do regular like billing or uh, attend to some clients needs every month. They might be on a monthly retainer, that sort of thing. But the way I work, it's an hourly rate. And so I just ask for a four hour retainer upfront and then I bill um, against that. And if they continue to have needs after the four, four hours, which often they do, then I just do it at the, I bill at the end of the month, whatever they used for that month. Okay. At first, they didn't rely on a retainer because I, I kind of thought, well, you know, they'll pay me. It's not so much that I won't get paid. It, it seems the retainer seemed to kind of indicate an intent that I wasn't always getting when they first called. Yeah, they, they'd ask me some questions and yes, I want to do this. And then I kind of get started on something and then they say, maybe not. And I still get those maybe, maybe not calls, but the, the contract and the retainer kind of separates those out so I don't start working on on things before understanding how serious the client might be. Yeah, because you could easily get uh, deeply involved in something. And then when you bring up the it, one, it becomes awkward to bring up a price, uh, you know, at that point, because the, the person doesn't know the client that you're working with doesn't know that they've become a client. And then it's all of a sudden like, well, I'll help you with this, but you're gonna have to pay me. And it, it's just an awkward thing. you know. Um, yeah, no, it, it would be, I would always disclose my price and they'd say, oh yeah, yeah, I, I want to do this. And it'd be great. Okay. Let me get started. Here's the, the contract. And I would get started before the contract maybe get signed. And then they didn't really follow through. So now that signature and that, that retainer really kind of like, okay, they're, they're serious. Right, right, right. Yeah, because uh, otherwise they start to lose enthusiasm once the, uh, the price tag comes out. You're like, <laughs> no, but. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great kind of learning aspect. And, you know, especially for new nurses coming out in business, like it's so easy to do things for free um, and not address kind of the elephant in the room. Um, so just stressing that it's so much easier if you have like a contract and a payment thing set up and having a retainer, that's a great idea. Yeah, it's funny when I got my very first like cold call and I had to talk to the woman about money, it felt so awkward to me. And I got off the phone and I started tearing up and my husband was like, oh my, I don't know if she's cut out for this. But, you know, it just, we are nurses and we're used to giving, giving, giving and talking about the business. And even though I have a business degree and a business background, that's, that's hard. That's awkward, especially when somebody's in a really difficult place in their life, you know, and a lot of people call not understanding that we are not, not for profit, that we, that we're getting paid, like you'd pay an attorney or, 
you know, a physician or your tax accountant. They just, they think a lot of times it, there's a belief that this is um, a non-for-profit free um, volunteer service. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I love that, uh, that it's not because it really, I mean, nursing in general is always tied to being like free and it's what we offer is so valuable. So having something like this, like really not put a price tag on it, but, you know, show people that um, what we know is, is valuable and, and worth, um, worth the price. Um, okay, so you decided to, um, you started networking, you, do you specialize only in cancer patients? Well, you have that MS patient, um, but do, do the majority of your patients come to you with um, cancer diagnoses? It's about half and half. Okay. So, uh, but all of mine are medical navigation. I really don't do any insurance or billing. I mean, unless it's a client that I'm working with already with, for medical stuff and it's a simple billing or insurance issue. Um, and what, which, what would be an insurance or billing issue that somebody would have? Uh, okay. So I had a, a woman that was in the hospital for COVID and she got her bill and she has uh, had a $3,500 ish, uh, which her, was her responsibility. And so I was able to call the hospital and we were, ne we negotiated the COVID rate because she's with all the, the federal support and everything, she was not really obligated to pay that whole $3,500. And so when I called the hospital, as it turns out, they did have uh, assistance for COVID patients. So they wrote off 70% of it and she paid 30%. And that was, that was that. No, I find that really annoying, <laughs> you know, because somebody like me, I would have just paid the thirty five hundred, and just been like, oh, I don't want to make any waves or anything. And here she well, is. Well, it you. was really annoying because two people I talked with, because it sounded too good to be true, was one of those. Okay, I want to verify somebody else who's saying the same thing. So I did. I talked to two people, same thing, seventy percent as long as she pays her thirty percent, you know, right off. Uh, so I gave her the information to make that payment, and she called, and they told her no. She huh. talked to somebody else. So then I had to call back and all of a sudden it was available. So it kind of sounded like whoever you talk to, it may or may not be available. It, it was kind of a little sketchy. That is sketchy. And it was a non-profit non hospital. It's not, you know, I mean, they're there for the, the patient's good, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, okay. So, and then what kind of like, uh, talk me through like what a, and maybe you don't have a typical patient, but like a typical scenario would look like um, somebody would call you then have a problem and, and how would you go about working with it? Almost all of the issues I have really at their heart involve communication because either they don't understand maybe everything that's going on or they're not communicating well with the staff at some facility to get their needs met, or um, they feel like they're not getting good quality care. And so I've had several, several patients that they're at a facility, their family calls me because they think uh, they're not um, you know, nobody calls me back. I don't know what's going on. They can't tell me anything. One person tells me this, another person tells me that. And it's, it's really a breakdown in the communication. And um, when I get in, I can kind of pull everything together and be the hub, then it, it, things go a lot smoother. 
Yeah, and that's, I mean, we had that problem. I worked neurocritical care for 20 years and, you know, we have so many hands in the pot and, and neurosurgery, they love to do consults. So we have like 15 different consults and the, the person that's on consult is constantly changing. It's a new attending, new a week. Um, the intensivist would change the nurse. I mean, the neurosurgeon was always the same, but, um, you know, all the people, all the team. So people would come in the hospitalist and they would say one thing and the family's like, that's not what we were told yesterday. And it's great. Right. I feel like the nurses take the brunt of that because they get mad and then they come yes. out and like attack the nurses. And I mean, that's really, they must love seeing you come in. <laughs> Thank God. Well, you know, it's funny, the response, some, I was at a facility today and I had to show up and kind of be a little bit direct because nobody would call me back and they're looking at me as a bit of a, a thorn in the side. But then I've had other facilities that were like, ah, I wish all my clients had you. I made it you know, all, all my patients had somebody like you because I was the person that could set, help set realistic expectations. Sometimes it's just the families don't know. They don't understand why your nine o'clock med might not get to you until 9.45 and that pitching a fit isn't maybe the best approach. You know, they, they don't really understand how hospitals work and that physicians aren't there every second to come in and talk to you about a question. And that, so just setting setting expectations can can be very helpful to everybody involved. Yeah. And so I, I had a client that was referred to me this week that she came to me from a skilled nursing a referral through a skilled nursing facility. And that case manager had worked with me with another client. So I was, I was able in that case to kind of manage, okay, this is what they're getting at home. This is the care. Uh, the caregivers that we're, we're putting in place, this is the equipment we think we need, you know, and so help kind of coordinate all that, that the family was kind of overwhelmed with. So working, being that conduit between the family and the case manager was really helpful for the staff at that facility. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. I, I mean, because I, I think a lot of people sometimes just want to feel like somebody is in control and has the whole picture. because it, That's it, exactly it. Yeah, it feels like everybody has a piece of the puzzle, but nobody really knows everything. That's a really good analogy. Um, so uh, at this point, um, you know, are, are you getting consistent clients or is that something that you need to work on uh, and build up more? And, and, you know, what are you gonna do to make sure that you get to your goals or what you want your business to look like? I've recently joined this new networking group and we just had a meeting yesterday and we talked a lot about um, reaching out to different uh, local organizations. Part of, part of the problem with patient advocacy is probably seven out of 10 people never heard of it. And it's funny because when people do hear about it, they'll say, I could have used you when my mom got diagnosed with cancer or when we had somebody in the hospital and she fell and wasn't getting good care or whatever, you know? And so um, part of, uh, of drawing up business for myself is just making people aware in general that patient advocacy exists and that there are people out there. So one of the things that I'm doing with some of my colleagues is just trying to get out to local organizations and speak about patient advocacy advocacy and just let them, you know, be visible in the community. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, it all starts a lot of these, uh, I think, businesses where, you know, they've kind of sprung up and nobody's really heard of them or that we don't know to Google it yet. Um, 
uh, and it's not in every neighborhood for that matter. It's, it can be really hard, like, and you really have to target the problems that they have. Like, um, you know, did you just get like a hospital bill that you can't afford, you know, which wouldn't fall on you necessarily, but, um, you know, something like that uh, to get people's attention, um, to get them over to find out about patient advocacy is, would be really helpful. But the, the grassroots movement being local, connecting with local organizations. Um, I mean, that's that's really key. So do you want to do anything online with people or do, are you a locally based company and, and that's how you like to work? Uh, actually, more of my work is via the telephone and the computer than it is in person. And probably a large part of that is because of COVID, they didn't allow people in the hospital. And so, you know, you're connecting over the phone. So that makes me able to work with people remotely. So I have a, a cancer patient that was referred to me too, that were referred to me through North Carolina or in North Carolina and one in Pennsylvania. Um, so, and I've been able to take care of everything through the phone. You know, today I, I was able, as I said, to to that field nursing facility just because nobody was being responsive and they were close by and I thought, well, you know, I can, so I will. But yeah, it's easily, a lot of it can be done um, remotely. And um, so I, I, I do that, but yeah. Okay, so do you have visions of this being a nationwide business or do you prefer to, um, you know, what would you, what is your vision for this, this company? Well, I think uh, easily a patient advocate could be a bigger company. My goal for myself because of my own cancer diagnosis and having other priorities in my life is to just have a pretty good, almost full-time business. I wanna be able to hop on a plane and go see family. My mom um, developed pneumonia. She was an Alzheimer's patient and she developed pneumonia in October and went into hospice. And I found out on Sunday and was on a plane on Monday and worked a week in her room um, you know, while I was next to her. And so I have the flexibility right now, and that's really important to me. So I'm not looking to hire anybody or to, you know, work as many hours as I can. I just want to um, be busy and to help people that I think that um, I'm aligned with and that I can add value to, to their situation. Yeah, and I, I think that's really important to know about your business because I, there's this kind of perception or something that you have to constantly grow, 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 bigger, bigger, bigger. And to be honest, like the more your company grows, the more you become a people manager as opposed to like really working in your business doing what you love. So, And I think it's important to acknowledge that while a lot of what I do is related to nursing, running a business is, it's work. You know, you have the insurance, the billing, the making sure you have a phone system, making sure your computer's working, you know, it's, and in, in, at least in my business, because of the type of clients that I have, I'm available pretty much 24 seven. I, so there, you know, because I don't have a ton of clients, it doesn't become disruptive to my home life, but there've been times where, okay, something's, something's going on and I need to address it right now. And so I pretty much answer the phone when somebody calls. There are other people that set more definitive, you know, boundaries around their hours. I'm not one of those people um, 
again, because I don't have a huge client load, I can do that. And it's not horribly, you know, it's not super disruptive. Yeah. And I mean, that's even more appealing from like the client standpoint, knowing that. <laughs> so, and, you know, people like to know who they're working with as opposed to like a, a monster organization and maybe you get somebody different every time as well which would be very confusing so um all right claire well this sounds incredible i love your business model i love that that you're ventured out in this and um moved forward with it so how can people get in touch with you where do they find you if they have questions or they just want to reach out sure they can call me at 770-502-6030 Email me at Claire, C-L-A-I-R, at Clarity, C-L-A-R-I-T-Y, Patient Advocates, with an S at the end, dot com, and, um, or check out my website at www.claritypatientadvocates. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this podcast with us. Thank you. It's been fun. I appreciate it.